Amen. Well, I'd like to invite you to turn, if you want to turn with me, to Isaiah chapter 34. Isaiah chapter 34. I'll read the whole chapter, and the title of the sermon will be tonight, Judgment Upon the Nations. The whole uh, book of Isaiah is at different segments, and we're in the middle, well, towards the end, actually, of uh, a section which from chapter 12 through to 35 is known as the Book of Judgment, and how important the book of Isaiah is uh, to us. We're going to hear the Word of God together, but keeping one eye on the text of Scripture, the other eye on Jesus Christ and His incarnation and coming to this world to save His people from their sins. So let's hear Isaiah 34 and verse 1. Draw near, O nations, to hear, and give attention, O peoples. Let the earth hear and all that fills it, the world and all that comes from it. For the Lord is enraged against all the nations and furious against all their host. He has devoted them to destruction and has given them over for slaughter. Their slain shall be cast out, and the stench of their corpses shall rise. The mountains shall flow with their blood. All the host of heaven shall rot away, and the skies roll up like a scroll. All their hosts shall fall as leaves fall from the vine, like leaves falling from the fig tree. For my sword has drunk its fill in the heavens. Behold, it descends for judgment upon Edom, upon the people I have devoted to destruction. The Lord has a sword. It is sated with blood. It is gorged with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams, for the Lord has a sacrifice in Bosra, a great slaughter in the land of Edom. Wild oxen shall fall with them, and young steers with the mighty bulls. Their land shall drink its fill of blood, and their soil shall be gorged with fat. For the, day has a, for the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. And the streams of Eden shall be turned into pitch, and her soil into sulfur. Her land shall become burning pitch. Night and day it shall not be quenched. Its smoke shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. But the hawk and the porcupine shall possess it. The owl and the raven shall dwell in it. He shall stretch the line of confusion over it and the plumb line of emptiness. Its nobles, there is no one there's there to call it a kingdom and all its princes shall be nothing. Thorns shall grow over its strongholds, nettles and thistles in its fortresses. It shall be the haunt of jackals. 
an abode for ostriches, and wild animals shall meet with hyenas. The wild goat shall cry to his fellow. Indeed, there the night bird settles and finds for herself a resting place. There the owl nests and lays and hatches and gathers her young in her shadow. Indeed, there the hawks are gathered, each one with her mate. Verse 16. Seek and read from the book of the Lord. Not one of these shall be missing. None shall be without her mate. For the mouth of the Lord has commanded, and his spirit has gathered them. He has cast the lot for them. His hand has portioned it out to them with the line. They shall possess it forever from generation to generation. They shall dwell in it. Again, I've said many times before, the title of the sermon tonight is Judgment Upon the Nations. And how we praise God for the local church. Do you praise God for the local church? We, we live in a day of the internet. And people love to troll the internet. And you can listen to sermons on almost any subject you want. But nothing replaces live preaching in the local church on the Lord's Day, which is what we call Sunday. Where on earth are you going to get sermons from Isaiah 34 from? And yet, it's the whole counsel of God that we need. And here in Isaiah 34, 1 to 17, it's a very sobering picture before us. A very sobering picture indeed. But it points us to the sending of Christ. We need to be sober as Christians. Would you agree? We need to be sober before the Lord. The Bible teaches us to be sober, to be watchful, to be careful, to be looking for the second coming of Jesus. Are you looking for the second coming of Jesus? Or have you heard this so many times now as a Christian that you think, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we've heard this before. Yeah, 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 we, we've heard this. But you've heard what? The Bible teaches very clearly that Jesus will come, but no one will know the day or the hour when he will come. What would happen if Jesus came right now in the middle of this service? And he could. He could. So to be sober is actually a godly and biblical thing, and this is a sobering chapter. As we've sung tonight from Psalm 7, listen to this. And wouldn't we love to herald this to thousands in Sheffield. We, we would love it. But God draws his elect. But listen to Psalm 7 and verse 12. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. Well, that seems a long way from John 3.16, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But this is very true for us. If man does not repent, if man does not turn away from anything he's trusting in and doesn't turn and face Jesus Christ to be his only or her only saviour, God, that's God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, the triune God, 
will wet his sword. What does that mean? To wet his sword is a, an older phrase to sharpen God's sword. God doesn't have a literal sword, but he does have a sword of judgment that's more fearful than any human sword. God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons. God will hunt down all of his enemies when he comes for the second time. And people think, well, yes, Adolf Hitler, he deserves it. No, it's not Adolf Hitler. It's anybody who has not repented. The prettiest old lady that may drive past in a Nissa Micra, and you would look at her and you think, butter wouldn't melt in her mouth. If she hasn't repented, you don't know what's in her heart. The heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. And our hearts will be laid bare on the final day before Christ. Is your faith in Jesus? I'm not trying to shock us tonight. I'm trying to present as a preacher from Scripture a biblical portrait of who God is. God is love. God is mercy. But he's also a judge. And God will judge all nations and all peoples. And there's two things before we get to our headings. would be this. Remember how the Lord Jesus Christ taught about the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. And some virgins were wise and some were foolish. Well, the foolish virgins upon the second coming of Jesus... Jesus teaches the door will be shut and they will then face fiery judgment to be cast into the lake of fire. I don't rejoice in this. I don't, I don't rejoice in preaching this, but preach it must be. It must be preached. This is the, the teaching of Jesus. Jesus speaks about everlasting punishment being a place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we will have teeth in heaven. And people in hell will have teeth. There will be gnashing of teeth and eternal weeping. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we can turn from our sins and flee. We're going to, to Christ for refuge. We're going to finish our worship this evening. We're going to finish our worship this evening by singing Rock of Ages cleft for me. And in other words, Christ is our place of refuge from fiery judgment. And so it's a blessing for us to be together tonight in the Lord's house. But also one other thing before I give the headings, at the back of the book of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 20, we learn about the great white throne of judgment. And there everyone will be brought before Almighty God and will be judged. And the word of God says this. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. 
Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Blessed be God for Jesus Christ. Praise God for his coming to this world. But our headings tonight, there are three simple headings for us. The wrath of God is the first heading, the wrath of God. Secondly is Edom. You think, well, why Edom? Edom's given here as an example. It's if God just chooses one little nation and says, I want you to look at that nation, and they're going to be an example of what's going to happen to all other nations. And thirdly, the written word. And let me just say a point of privilege just for a moment before we look at the first heading, the wrath of God. How we all need to be awakened of our need for prayer, for God to come and visit his church in this nation. I was born in this nation. I spent most of my life in this nation. And yet I'm surrounded in a nation that constantly pumps itself up in pride and looks back to its history and looks to all many things and natural accomplishments. But overall, we are a nation, by and large, who are spiritually bankrupt. And what we're going to hear tonight about Edom could just as well be the United Kingdom. Now, most British people would say, that's ridiculous. This, this, we're all good people on this island. It's very different to what the Bible says. There's none good, no, not one. And we live in a nation covered in shame in this day. Shameful sins to the left and to the right. Sexual immorality. Sex shops on every, every major city where people can buy all kinds of filth. Books online. People just access all kinds of rubbish online. And then they think we're a good nation. The Bible says there'll be a final day of reckoning when all will be brought before the great white throne of judgment. Should God be feared? He certainly should be. In fact, not only feared, if we really understand the truth of God, we all of us would not simply be fearful before the Lord. We would tremble as the word of God says. But let's get to the first heading, which is the wrath of God in 34 and verse 1. It says, draw near, O nations, to hear, and give attention, O peoples. Well, initially you may think, that's wonderful. People have been invited to draw near to God to hear the gospel. But this is not a draw near to hear the gospel. This is a draw near because you will be judged. Just as Jesus said, all mankind will be brought before him. There'll be some sheep and there'll be some goats. But nobody will escape. Not a single person will escape. There'll be no hiding from the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ is the man appointed by God to judge everyone. And those who have been born again have their faith in Christ and have been given a new heart by God. They'll be sheep who will be ushered into the eternal presence of God. But for others, they'll be they're described as goats. 
and they'll be cast into the lake of fire. And so here it says, draw near, O nations, but then it says, let the earth hear. This is no small affair, it's everybody, but not simply people alive in 2021. We're very close, aren't we, to the, to the big night. So it is for the world, this big night. It's called New Year's Eve. And people will be having parties all over the place and, and so forth. They'll be having celebrations, perhaps making New Year's resolutions. But will people's resolutions be to prepare to meet their God? But let all the earth hear and all that fills it, the world and all that comes from it. So everybody, not only present alive in 2021, but all people who've ever lived will be ushered into the presence of God. Verse 2, for the Lord is enraged against all the nations. Enraged. This is, this is a picture of God's divine wrath. The anger of the Lord against sin and unrighteousness. The Lord is enraged against all nations and furious. Have you ever been furious? If you have, you've never been furious in the way that's described here. Furious against all their host. You would never want to see or experience the divine anger and fury of God. It's a fearful thing, the Bible says, to fall into the hands of the living God. And further it says, He, that's God, has devoted them to destruction and has given them over to slaughter. Furthermore, Satan himself, the devil, the adversary of God, will be devoted to destruction. And the day will come when the devil will be cast himself into the lake of fire. And he knows that. And he knows that his time is short. And he himself is full of fury. But the time will come when the devil himself will be the one who is called the one in Revelation 12, the one who deceives the whole nations. He himself will be cast into a lake of fire. What do we say to that? Praise God that the devil's time is short. But it says here, he has devoted them to destruction and has given them over for slaughter. Look at verse 3. This is all about the wrath of God. Their slain shall be cast out and stench of their corpses shall rise and the mountains shall flow with their blood. We read of something about this in Psalm 110, didn't we, when we, we sang that together. Psalm 110 begins with the ascension of Christ. But let me just refer back to this for a moment, because in Psalm 110 it refers to the second coming. And it begins in verse 5. The Lord's at your right hand, there he will ever stay. He on his day of wrath will crush the kings who bar his way. His second coming will be a day of wrath. So much so, we read in Revelation that people will cry out for rocks to cover them. The wrath of God. Something for us to be very much aware of as we think of Jesus Christ at this time of the year. Now, if we just move forward for a moment from Isaiah 34... And just think about the gospel right now for a moment. 
the good news. The good news. And Paul the Apostle writes in Romans chapter 1, and he teaches in Romans 17 and 18, that there are two things in particular that are revealed in the gospel. The first thing he says, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So the gospel reveals the righteousness of God, the right path to follow, the path to heaven, the path both in terms to be saved, but how to live and walk through this sinful world. It teaches us that. But then the Apostle Paul doesn't stop there. He says there's something else that's revealed in the gospel. And what is that? What else is revealed in the gospel? He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Let me just read that to us from Romans chapter 1 and, and verse 18. So there are two things that are revealed for us. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So unrighteousness in men will cause them to suppress and push down the truth. But it's the wrath of God that will be revealed in the gospel through the preaching of the gospel and especially at the second coming of Christ. Two things will be revealed at the second coming of Jesus. The wrath of God against all the ungodly. And praise God, the righteousness of God for those who are in Christ. For those of us who are in Christ, his coming will be a day of joy unparalleled. To see the face of the beloved Lamb of God, the one we've heard preached about, and now we say, even not the, not the half has been told me about the beauty and majesty and glory of Christ. What a wonderful day that will be for those who are in Christ. But there will not be good news unless we also see the bad news as well. And one of the points that we must not forget, to understand that this world is always a world of sin, always has been since the fall of Adam, we must never forget that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it wasn't long before men rose up against Christ and King Herod set about for the slaughter of infants and boys were killed in the attack of Herod to try and kill the Christ of God. And then people say to me, well, I'm a good person. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. And that's exactly what Isaiah 34 is teaching us. And our second heading is the illustration of Edom, which I mentioned. Our second heading is Edom. And it's as if the Lord just takes the, the, the magnifying glass and there's just one nation, Edom, a nearby neighbor, to teach us what will happen to them at the Day of Judgment. It could well be Scotland that God will be talking about, in 2021. It could be Malaysia. It could be Wales. It could be the Netherlands. It could be all kinds of countries, but it could definitely be the United Kingdom. And in Isaiah 34 and verse 5, it says, listen to the force of these words, for my sword is drunk. This is God's sword. It's filling the heavens. Behold, it descends for judgment upon Edom 
upon the people of I, I have devoted to destruction. Verse 6, the Lord has a sword. It is sated with blood. It is gorged with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. And so it goes on and on. God's judgment falls. And in this case, it falls against Edom. But Isaiah 34 is judgment upon all nations. Often Christians say when they get converted, they rightly say, I can't imagine what it would be like now to live without knowing Christ. But if God had not taken the scales off our eyes, we ourselves would be facing God and his sword and eternal judgment. Isn't that a fearful thing? Look at verse 34, verse uh, 5 through to 7. At the end of verse 7, it says, Their land, this is Edom, it's only an example of one nation. Their land shall drink its fill of blood. And their soil shall be gorged with fat. It's God executing judgment upon unrepentant sinners. But we're thankful that we're not left there. We're going to move on to our third and last heading in verse 16. In verse 16, it's the written word of God. And tonight, we're in God's house in the presence of an open book. It's called the Holy Bible. It's the authoritative Word of God. And our third heading is the written Word of God. And verse 16 says, Seek and read from the book of the Lord. Not one of these shall be missing. None shall be without her mate. For the mouth of the Lord has commanded, and his spirit has gathered them. He has cast the lot for them, his hand has portioned it, out to them with the line. They shall possess it forever from generation to generation. They shall dwell in it. And so here the appeal is to the word of God. And I think the appeal here is not so much you, O Christian, read your Bibles more, though that would be good for all of us, wouldn't it? But here the appeal is to the word of God because it's the word of God that will judge. And in Revelation chapter 1, we have this magnificent picture of Christ. And in this picture, we see something of the Son of God. And listen to this, this description of Jesus. It, it says here in Revelation 1, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like, were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came what? A sharp two-edged sword. Out of Christ's mouth is the word of God, which is described as a sharp two-edged sword. At the end of the book of Revelation, in Revelation at chapter 19, we get this wonderful imagery of the Son of God 
coming down from heaven in his second coming. And what's the picture that's given before us? It's an appeal to the word of God. But it's an appeal that in this world, the word of God will either point us to heaven or to hell. But once Jesus comes back, if someone dies unrepentant, it's the written word of God in Christ's mouth that will judge all peoples. And in Revelation chapter 19, we read, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Again, we read that he judges, but not that he makes war. He will make war upon all the unrepentant when he comes back. That's a very different picture to often that we have in our minds of Almighty God and his Son, Jesus Christ. It says, Sitting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. The Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Again, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I present to us tonight the Lord Jesus Christ, one who is Savior, but also Judge. And we can rejoice tonight to be in the Lord's house as we finish off by hearing the good news, the good news to be delivered from such fury, from such anger, such wrath. And it's only found through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen to these words as we close tonight from Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, verse 21. In light of the incarnation and the birth of Jesus Christ to come. Let me just finish off with these words and may they fill us with joy unspeakable and full of glory as we hear the written word of God for us tonight. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. Verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just, and un just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And finishing up tonight, verse 21. 
She, that's Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that is good news. He will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from the judgment of the unrepentant, ungodless, unrighteous.